Well, happy Easter. Welcome to Grace and Peace. We are going to talk about mangoes. We're going to talk about life and the resurrection and what that's all about. And if that's something new to you, stick with us. I hope I can do justice to what this season's all about and do a little teaching on that. And then we're going to talk about this loaf of bread. So let's dig right in. Uh, so I've been reflecting on this last year because it's been crazy. Uh, it's been interesting to think through what we've been through in the last year, going all the way back to last March when the pandemic started and when everything really changed for us all. Uh, there was such a dramatic shift, and I talked about it a little bit last week, in that we went from making future plans to living day by day, to living almost in the moment of what's next, trying to figure it out, and, uh, and really discovering kind of what matters most, right? And, um, and so, one of the things that gives me just a sense of peace, as many of you know, if the mangoes come out, you know we're talking about life, you know we're talking about Easter, and what's amazing about this season is that I know that we're coming out of a pandemic, if you will, it's gonna be a slow process, but I believe that we're coming out of it, the change is happening, and um, I know that the seasons are changing not just as far as this last year, the kind of season we've had of unrest, but the kind of season that we're literally moving into where we go from winter, from the cool, dark, longer nights, shorter days, cooler weather to now spring and today is warm. I don't know when you're watching this or listening to this, but it's a beautiful day. Summer is almost here, I can feel it. And the way that I know that spring has hit is when I go to Fraser Farms, which is my local grocery store that I frequent quite often. I know that when I head down the aisle, the first few aisles that I go through make a couple of right-hand turns and then I hit the produce section. And there's a little turn that I have to make and I know that when I make that turn and there's mangoes, life is good. For me and my family, we love mangoes. Um, we've just, it's just become one of those things that gives us life, that gives us a sense that everything is okay in the world, if you will. Um, mango salsa is life. It is amazing. It is a gift, in my opinion, from God. Um, there's something amazing about Fraser Farms mango salsa. They make it all year long, but when the mangoes are in season, which they are now, it's that much better. It's just amazing. Mango salsa, it would not exist unless one thing takes place. I'm sure you can guess what that might be. A mango must die. A mango must spare its life or uh, give its life for the sake of others. Uh, the mango must be sliced and diced and combined with the cilantro, the bell pepper, uh, the I liked a little bit of garlic in it, um, just a little minced up, the cilantro, the goodness that is in there. All those things come together to make this beautiful, life-giving mango salsa. Why do I bring this up? Because it's Easter, and Easter is about new life. Um, the Resurrection Sunday that we are celebrating, maybe you're listening or watching in another time, I don't know, but today is Resurrection Sunday. And so we celebrate the risen Jesus, and we celebrate this profound truth and also a mystery because I can't claim to fully understand it. Anybody who claims to fully understand it, 
there might be a little bit of pride woven in there, but I would say that I don't fully understand it, but I do know these few truths that I'm about to unfold here and teach and talk about uh, the things that I've discovered as I look at this world and I look at Jesus and I look at scripture. But we celebrate this beautiful truth that exists that's woven into all of creation. Side note, this is woven into all of creation, new life, resurrection, this kind of the impossible taking place. It's woven into everything. I was actually reading an article this week that um, I think it's called Science for the Church, and I could send you the link. I can put it in the bottom if you want to check it out in the show notes or the description, depending on where you're watching or listening. And um, this article was talking about how scientists have found that sea slugs, if you're familiar with a sea slug, if not, Google it, check it out. You might have seen them if you've been out snorkeling or diving in SoCal. Sea slugs, they've found that if you chop the head off, I don't know if they did this or if they just happened to discover this, um, in the body, all of its vital organs are missing, just the brain is intact, just the head, within a month, it will regrow an entire new body. How crazy is that? Like this, like that just doesn't make sense. I can't wrap my mind around that, but I know that some kids are joining us and maybe listening in because it's a family service. Um, it's what we do during Easter. It's just how we roll because we love having the kids together and our, with our, our adults and our families and just uh, creating an environment where we can all grow together. But sea slugs, scientists found that miracle that exists in our, in our world. That's not just the only one. There are many, right? To me, it's the miracle that a mango turns into mango salsa and the mango gives its life for us, okay? Uh, but I digress. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus demonstrates the power that he has over sin by the resurrection. The power over sin to bring new life. The reason it's power over sin is because sin destroys life. It's breaking down. It's constantly destroying relationships. Sin is not, it, it, we understand that that is a brokenness. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to uh, one of our episodes on Shalom, that there's an idea that relationships are meant, created, built a certain way, and that sin destroys that. What Jesus does is he brings new life. And what he did on the cross is demonstrate how this new life exists. So let's unpack that a bit. Um, death brings new life. Jesus saw all the brokenness and took it on himself to begin to bring wholeness once again. That it's God's unfolding story of reconciling us to him, constantly bringing us back to him. And what Jesus does in a beautiful and profound conversation with his disciples is he describes what we are called to do and what he does ultimately on the cross. And here's what he says. John 15, 12 through 13, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And to take this a step further, one core teaching that Mary and Peter and the disciples that would have encountered Jesus after the resurrection, um, the, one of the things that they would have heard and, and been taught um, is this idea that without death, there isn't new life. 
John 12, 23-25 says, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is a bit of a, uh, um, uh, a prophecy of like where he's heading, where he's, where he's, where he's going in the future, right? Um, Very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The idea of a kernel falling to the ground, a seed falling to the ground, dying, and we all know, like, I don't need to really probably get into the whole germination process or the, the death process of a seed that a seed fully dies and then has contains everything needed to create new life. And then new life is bursting forward, right? That within this mango seed is the ability to produce many more. Within you and I is the ability to produce life, right? And that only comes as a result of one thing, Jesus. That God, the creator of the universe, woven to creation, into who we are, this way of life that is called to surrender, that is called to humility, that Jesus modeled, that's what he did on the cross, is uh, all the way to the point of death, that he laid down his life for others to experience life. And I know this sounds crazy, but let's begin to unpack that a little bit more. This idea, it runs throughout scripture um, and many times uses the analogy of water, not mangoes, sorry to say. Uh, In Genesis, we see dry and desolate creation that then is filled with new life and it's in the garden of, what would you say? Eden. In the garden of Eden, humans flourish But then they find a way to ruin it, which it's essentially God giving humans the ability to decide whether they want to walk in relationship with each other and with God or if they want to do their own thing. And basically the humans are given this option to choose and they choose their own way, knowing good and evil, which then leaves them back into a drought situation, a desolate situation. Um, or a drought of the soul, so to speak. And so more knowledge in that case not isn't necessarily better. I'm not saying knowledge is bad. I'm just saying that more knowledge in that when it comes to that relationship wasn't necessarily better. And this theme of life, it carries on through Jacob, which God uses to, uh, which Jacob meets his wife at a well. That's an interesting fact. This is, again, it's around water, this symbol of water bringing life and water being connected to life. And that um, the Jacob who meets his wife is the source and then continues to be the reflection that God calls uh, his people to be, uh, that is constantly calling his people back to restoration and calling them back to right relationship and calls them to be a reflection of relationship. Um, if you want to go back and study these, it's kind of like a, a big 30,000 of a view of it. But, um, but as we look through the Old Testament, we see these stories of water and life being connected and, and God using these things to be a representation of what true life looks like. Um, 
what we see in this relationship is a continual brokenness between God and creation and the desire for more power, more wealth, more influence um, led God's people astray and led them back into the desert, led them into exile. Um, it led them always back into these places of desolation, of drought, and um, of basically a desert of the soul. And, and, and what some prophets uh, begin to do as you look through um, the, the, the major and the minor prophets in the Old Testament, you'll start to see they speak of this future Messiah that will then usher in life, that will usher in this living water will usher in this new way of doing things. And Isaiah does a beautiful job. If you want to read Isaiah 53, does a lot of prophecy about really what we talk about at Easter. But in Isaiah 43, 19, he, he points to this new life that Jesus is going to bring and represent. And it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, like referring to a well, springing up. You do not perceive it. Do you not perceive it? I am making a new way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So this idea that in the wasteland, in the drought, in the desert, in the place where the bones are dry and where our souls are parched, he says, I am bringing new life and there will be a Messiah that is bringing new life, right? And so new life where things are dry and desolate in this wasteland is what Jesus brings, is what we celebrate at Easter. That's the prophecy of Jesus coming and bringing in this message of new life and new hope. So check out how this story carries on as we look into Jesus's life. This is a little clip from the Bible project that begins to give this next part of the story a beautiful picture new kinds of humans. People who can spread God's life to others. Exactly. And so this brings us to the story of Jesus. Right. And there's a story about Jesus who goes to a well that Jacob used to own. And just like in Jacob's story, Jesus meets a woman. And he tells this woman that no matter how much water she drinks from this well, she'll always thirst for more. Then he offers water that could quench her thirst forever. He's not talking about the well water. No, what he's talking about is God's own life that comes through him to us to satisfy our deepest thirsts. This is why later on Jesus says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. This is cool, but it's also a strange image, drinking from a person. Totally. And it's connected to another strange image we find in the story of Jesus' death on the cross. A Roman soldier thrusts a spear in Jesus' side and there's blood, but also all this water flows out. Yes, it's an image showing how Jesus' death is the fountain of life. From him, God's own love that would die for his enemies flows down and out into the world. After Jesus was raised from the dead, we're told that he sends the spirit into his followers. Yes, to fill them up with God's own life. So the new life that Jesus brings doesn't stop with us. It flows into the world that we live in. That we as a seed are not to just die to ourselves. And Jesus wasn't just dying for himself. It was meant to be a death 
that then brings life to others. And that now he brings, he brings that offer to us and then calls us to also die to ourselves daily, right? Take up our cross daily to then now bring life to others. And so if you want some, uh, some more historical context or some, um, some references and some uh, understanding as an evidence of the resurrection, I would say do some research, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to resource you with some, some things on the facts. But one of the interesting facts that I want to point out, because I don't want to get into all of them, um, is this idea that all the disciples that encounter Jesus, that spend time under his teaching, learning from him, observing the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, died for their faith. That they went out and that whatever Jesus was doing to teach them about new life and how to live this life was so powerful that they took that to their grave, took that to the point where they were persecuted and killed. So, one of the things that I question is if the resurrection wasn't real and if this whole thing is just a joke, it's just some kind of story that's all been made up, why would all these disciples die for something that was so powerful, something that impacted their lives in such a true and honest and life-giving way? I don't know too many people that would die for any belief currently. But what these disciples encountered was something that transformed life so much to the point that they wanted everyone to hear about it. That they wanted to share that good news, that they wanted to share this life with others, that it wasn't something that was forced on them. It was something that they had witnessed, that it transformed life, that then they said, I can't not talk about this. I have to share this with people. I have to... My life's been so transformed that I have to share it. And that's, again, what we celebrate in this new life at Easter. So Easter's all about celebrating new life that Jesus brings, new life that Jesus offers to us and invites us to step into, not in a forceful way, but he says, come and experience it. Come taste it and see what it's like. Taste the salsa. See what the sacrifice brings and begin to see that it brings new life. So as we look at Jesus' life, there are three things that point to new life. So you look at his life, first of all, his physical flesh and blood life. As he came, the words that he spoke brought life to people. The ways that he interacted with people brought life. The woman at the well was completely transformed by a conversation that Jesus had with her. Because he showed her love, he showed her dignity, he showed her worth. He brought new life because of this, this way that, that God designed us to live, right? And that changed her life. And then she went back and told her little village about everything that who Jesus was and what he'd done for her life. And then that, I'm sure, spread like wildfire into other people's lives. So his life was powerful. Not to mention all the teach, all, not the teaching, all the healings the ways that he healed people physically transformed their lives and brought new life to them. People that were blind, people that had leprosy, that were outcast in society and literally couldn't come near people and had to shout out, I'm unclean, unclean, anytime they went near anybody because they didn't want to get others sick. Jesus went to them. He actually touched lepers and healed them. So there was a 
just a, a full transformation that took place by his physical life. And then there was his death, right? And so his death conquers sin, which we're going to talk about here at the end as we take communion. Um, and then his resurrection. And the resurrection is something that shows his power over death, that he's not stopped by death, that he conquers all things, that he has power over all things. Specifically, he has power over sin, over death, over the thing that says that there's an end, a finality, that he says, nope, I have the last word. So life, death, and resurrection all point to new life. And not only does he bring resurrection, new life, um, physically and demonstrate that through the cross, through the death, and then the resurrection, walking and showing it to people. But then he invites us to do it because then he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that's going to work through you. It's going to empower you to then bring this resurrection life to others, this new life to people, that you're going to be a living water to others. So this way, this this idea, this concept of a seed dying in order for others to have life. That the seed dies, the fruit dies, it's chopped up so that I can have mango salsa. Um, this analogy is woven into all of creation. This theologian, Henry Now, and he's brilliant, he put it this way. All that is, is sacred because all that is speaks of God's redeeming love. Seas and winds mountains and trees, sun, moon, and stars, and all the animals and people have become sacred windows offering us glimpses of God. The mango gives me a glimpse into who God is. People's lives that surrender to sacrifice, to being full of self-control, to being loving, to being patient, all of those begin to bring life towards others. We've all been around those people that, that live in such a way that is generous, that is loving, that is kind, that has self-control. All of those things, those are, those are the, the seeds that bear new life. Those are the kind of truths that are woven into all of creation that Henry Nouwen points out, that all of creation speaks to this. And so maybe you find yourself this season saying, I, I, all I see is decay. All I see is the challenges. All I see is the death. I'm in the desert. It's desolate. I'm feeling dry. My soul does not want to hear this. I don't even want to be a part of this. Here's what I have to say is that what's woven into the story of Easter is this message that Jesus promises to make all things new. He promises to bring new life. That he promises that as we step into this invitation, this mystery, that he will make things new. In John 10.10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe you're in that place where you're hearing just death, that you just all you feel is the desert. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. When he's saying, I have come to bring life and life to the full, that's referencing all the way back to Genesis, all the way through the story of God continually bringing us back and saying, I want right relationship with you. 
I want you to learn how to surrender your life so that you can experience life to the full. That it sounds so crazy, but the fact that this mango dies in order for me to live, that's a mystery, right? But I know that in that simple illustration, I'm continually reminded every time I take a bite of mango salsa that there was sacrifice involved for me to experience that. And that is just woven into everything. And that when I sacrifice my life, that that will then produce life in others. That when I lay my life down, others experience it. And that's ultimately what we see in Jesus. That's what we see in the cross. That's what we see in the resurrection. And that's what we celebrate. So further in that John chapter 10, where he speaks about life and death, uh, life and life to the full, he goes on to talk about uh, how there's multiple voices because he talks about sheep in that illustration, if you want to go back and read it, but he talks about there's multiple voices and that Christ's sheep hear his voice and recognize it. And I think in our lives, we have multiple voices. Some voices tell us that nothing will ever get better, that your situation will be as it is forever, that the situation you find yourself in, the decisions that maybe you've made in the past will forever haunt you, the people that you are around will forever be that way, whatever it is. But what Jesus says, what he brings is he says, let me be the voice that you listen to that says, I will bring new life, that I want to bring a new way of doing things. And that's what he invites us into, this experiencing of life abundant. So to close out, if this is all new to you, I want to invite you into stepping into this mystery that, that I'm only slightly able to describe in this idea of sacrifice. But um, I would say begin to step into it. Take the step of faith to trust and say, Jesus, I want to listen to your voice and I want to begin to see what you might do to transform all areas of my life. And if this is familiar, if this is, I don't know, your 30th, Easter celebration. You've heard it many times. My, our prayer is that this would be a beautiful reminder of what God has done, what God has done in your life, because there's been people that have sacrificed. Christ has sacrificed for you to experience life to the full. We'll talk about the bread in a second. But he brings new life to you today. Maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe that's something that you need to step back into and the fact that Jesus, Jesus's voice is beautiful. His truths, his teachings are beautiful and transformative. And that as we step into that and rest in the fact that we just want to listen to his voice for eternity, that every day we just want to sit at his feet and begin to learn what it means to live life the best possible way, then I hope today is that reminder and that we can move into tomorrow that same way. So we're going to take communion. Why communion? As Jesus sat in the upper room eating the Passover meal, celebrated for hundreds of years to remind the Jewish people of how they were set free from slavery, set free from the chains, the meal was a reminder of that freedom, of that new life that they are given in, in what, how God created them to be. 1 Corinthians 10, 16-17 says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in the one loaf. 
The one loaf represents Jesus' heart for bringing new life, not just to us, but to others as well. And that's why I generally have the full loaf and why Paul talks about that, that Jesus pulled from a full loaf as a symbol that his body is broken, poured out, that we might experience new life, but then also that we are called to be part of a lot of other people that need to experience that new life as well, and that we are unified by that. Communion is this reminder to participate, to participate in experiencing new life and giving new life. And that's what I pray that Easter is for us, that it's a reminder of new life, that what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection is that he laid down his life, that we may experience the good life, the way that things were intended to be, that we experience that goodness. N.T. Wright says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven, that it's meant to be something that is good for all people here and now, not a future far off hope, but a hope that is here and now. And so as we lay down our lives the same way that Jesus laid down his life, others will experience this, this piece of heaven here on earth. The same way that Jesus prayed um, that heaven crashed down into earth, that we want things as they are in heaven here on earth. Check out 2 Corinthians 5.17 and we'll close. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. That's our prayer for you this Easter, that you experience the new life that Jesus offers. That what we celebrate at Easter is that he is risen and that he's risen to bring new life. That's what we celebrate, that's what we're excited about. So I'd encourage you to take some crackers, take some bread, um, some juice, and take communion as a reminder of the new life that we experience in Christ. And grace and peace to you as you live into this, and we look forward to gathering with you this week in life groups and serving with you. So, happy Easter. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.